You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Welcome to GFR. I'm Lisa Cherney, and today's guest is a groundbreaking activist inspired by her own personal story that is among the most bravest things that I have ever heard anybody admit and is inspirational on the journey of how our struggle serves our mission. Her name is Andrea J. Lee, and I want to kick this intro off with a question to you. Do you feel powerful? Do you feel powerful? I always thought a really good answer and the right answer for me as a woman particularly was yes, I feel powerful. And I learned a thing or two in the show and the interview with Andrea J. Lee about the dynamics of power and personal power and how that plays into domestic abuse. So here's a little more about Andrew J. Lee. And uh, she calls herself a mystery, which I would agree. She's, cause she's business savvy. She's helped thousands of entrepreneurs create wealth. And she also specializes in unique out of the box businesses. She is a recognized leader. She's hosted more than 15 cutting edge conferences, including her most recent Power of Coaching Live. But she's also humble and nice. (laughs) She has the trifecta of nice, she says, because she's Taiwanese, Canadian, and a woman. (laughs) She's written classic books that are still loved 15 years later, like Multiple Streams of Coaching Income, and then her most recent, which is one of my favorites, which is We Need to Talk, Your Guide to Challenging Business Conversations. And our bonus content for our GFR squad members, she talks about what to do when someone's a jerk to you. And it's such practical, wonderful advice. I can't wait for our squad members to get a handle, get, a, get their hands on that. What you also need to know about her is that her specialty is tackling things that are much needed but not easy, which brings us to the reason she's on the show. She recently wrote a piece for the Washington Post called, I Verbally Abused My Husband, Here's How I Stopped. Along with her viral video on the topic, her story about taking responsibility for her part as a perpetrator of emotional abuse has broken new ground and is challenging the way we think about how to stop violence in families. 
So without further ado, I bring you a very dear friend of mine, someone who I have called coach, uh, someone who I call best friend, someone who I call master, a master at lots of lots of things. Okay, no more ado, <laughs> no further ado. Welcome to the show, Andrea J. Lee. Andrea J. Lee, welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. Hi, I'm here, ready to get fucking real. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to have you. And everybody knows that we're like, you know, best of friends and have this like amazing connection. So I think it's just going to be even more fun for everybody to listen in on our juicy conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. I could not be happier to be here. I just know you have such amazing skills at asking questions and getting clarity for people. So let's do it. Thank you for that. Yes, let's do it. Okay. So I want to know what your life and your business looked like before the wormhole, the shit hit the fan, the what the fuck is happening in my life right now period of time. I want to know the before and kind of like, oh, I thought this was this and this is what my perception was, the during. And then we're going to talk about the after in terms of how that has served your mission and, and what you see now is the divine design of it all. Sound good? Yeah. Uh I'm here to reveal all. It's it's it. Before the shit hit the fan, I was trucking along, thinking I was doing my purpose, thinking that I was serving, and in a way I was, but I really think I was serving with like half of me. Um, I don't know if it was the left half or the right half or the top half or the bottom half. <laughs> it was a partial me. It wasn't all of me. Um, and because I didn't know, you know, when you're inside a wormhole, you, you sometimes don't know, right? Yes. So right. I thought I was great. Um, I just, it's sort of one of those things that only in hindsight, after having gone through the actual contractions of the wormhole, that I could look back and say, you know what, you were walking around half asleep. You were walking around half filled with power you were doing great maybe doing really great in some ways but part of me was not even online part of me wasn't even awake what were your first indications that you weren't awake well I think it was really in my relationship with my husband where he would say things to me right Lisa like I feel like there's a part of you that you keep from me um, I feel like there are things that you keep to yourself and you don't even know what they are. There were times when I w wondered if this was all the joy that I could feel. So all of these kind of accumulated to be like, you know, oh, something's not right in the state of Denmark. It's like, it's like the lights were on, but not everybody was home. Hmm. Wow. And yeah. what, what was your measure of success that you thought you were hitting at the time? You know, like a, a decent business, like kind of decent, like say a six or seven out of 10 on the wheel of life, you know, as those of us who are coaches know that wheel of life that assesses how you're doing in all of the you know, areas of your life, like six or seven out of 10 felt like kind of okay marriage, <laughs> okay health, um, you know, like driving an okay car, living in an okay place. Um, and that felt okay. <laughs> Right? Like you didn't like feel like, oh, I should for sh why aren't I going for a 10? Like what's wrong with me? Like you felt okay. Like this right. is Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Precisely. So for somebody who only knows okay, okay seems like it's great. Okay seems like it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah, and I and you know, I, I'm sure I'm gonna be seeing many, many patterns, you know, as we do more and more uh, interviews and tell more and more stories, but that seems like that's a pattern that's emerging. It's like, I kind of thought things were going, you know, fine, you know, and it's not even in, 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 until in retrospect that I, and this is, this is like the period of time before it really, I was clear it was not fine, you know, like, yeah. like it's sort of like, I was sort of going along just fine, you know, and it's still, it's not fine that you're able to look back and go, gosh, that was like a six or seven. And that seemed like a 10 to me at the time, you know? Yeah. 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 It's like the whole game changes when you realize you could play to 10 and then only then in the pain of going, oh shit, there's a 10 and I'm at a six. That's the moment. That's the moment we're here to talk about. Yeah, that is the moment. So tell us about that moment. Tell us your wormhole story and like some of your fears and how you got through it. Yeah. You know, it's time for confession. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny because in some ways that wormhole moment, you know, I could say it maybe took like a year, maybe two years really to feel like the fire of hell (laughs) was, was really having its way with me and that I was able to open myself up to the pain of that such that it led to this piercing moment of like, okay, this is the moment when I, it's the real moment of decision that I want out of this, this wormhole and I'm going to choose and decide to be responsible and say, um, I'm done. I tap out of being this, this person in this wormhole. And what was that wormhole like? I mean, it was for me in my particular case, it was like fighting, a lot of fighting. Uh, a lot of really just anger, like like when you feel like you, uh, your body is like upset with you because you ate 10 bad things, like that, but on a spiritual level, <laughs> as well as a physical level. And, and, and just that all-encompassing eclipse feeling of things are not okay. Like the sirens of the air raids are going off, like a giant storm with lightning is, is happening. Like I've just hit my finger with a hammer, like all of that heat. That's how I would describe that, that wormhole. And it really was, you know, uh, with regards to my behavior, um, angry, abusive, taking my anger out on my husband kind of behavior. That was relationship health. That was what that wormhole was like. You know, I was talking to Bella, um, who you've met in all the glory when you were slept over our house. And Mm -hmm. I was telling her, you know, I've, interview with uh, AJ Altimer. So, oh, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, my relationship with her, I, you know, pretty much don't edit, you know, we tell her, tell her pretty much everything. And um, so I talked about, you know, I said, well, you know, um, Andrea Lee, you know, her father was um, very abusive, you know, verbally abusive to, you know, and I told her this family, you know, the story and sort of, and she felt like she knew the ending. She's like, oh, she, so she just like kind of filled it in. And I said, you know, it actually, this is not going to go where you think it's going to go. You know, she, you know, Andrea Lee realized that she was being abusive to her husband and she was yeah. like, oh, and I said, and you know, and she, you know, like, so 
I feel like, um, and you could share about the article that was written too, mm -hmm. because the headline, you know, it just, you know, it really says it all. Um, I think it's such a fucking amazing thing that you're, that you're willing to do is to be transparent about your process. And there are not very many abusers, you know, that are, that are speaking about their experience that have, you know, right. Like, I feel like we are of a special breed where we can metabolize our shit, our journey, and then serve, you know, with it. And um, you for sure are, you know, one of those handpicked people like me and like many of our guests. So yeah. So tell us more. Yeah, I, indeed, it's exactly what you said to the lovely Bella and it, you know, I had a moment when I was a teenager where my one of my brothers, who is learning disabled, was about to get hit by my dad. And in that moment, I something really snapped, Lisa. Like it was, it, I could re, I could really still feel that moment of when I just something broke in broke inside me. And whereas before that moment, I was this young Asian Canadian girl who really did not have a relationship with power. But in that moment where my dad almost hit my younger brother, Edward, I hit my father instead. And boy, oh boy, did I catch, like I, it was, the violence in my dad was transmitted to me. I caught that violence and I became enamored. I, I fell in love with this powerful feeling of like, hey, I don't have to be hit. I don't have to sit around for other people to be hit. I can be the hitter. And that is what I took into my marriage. And that is when I became abusive verbally. I wasn't physically abusive to Mike, but I was definitely emotionally and psychologically um, and verbally abusive to him for many, many years. And through therapy, through a lot of forgiveness and a lot of you know, just terrible, you can imagine, stuff between Mike and I, I was able finally to feel the pain that Mike was going through that I was putting him through. And that is how I would describe it, Lisa, that, you know, the capacity to actually feel on behalf of the person I was hurting, the pain that I was causing him, is the moment that had me snap out of it. And until I was able to feel that, like I was numb to it, I was in denial about it, I was, you know, I thought it was great. I was just, you know, righteously angry about shit, I thought. Um, righteously angry. Mm. Yeah, I was very righteous about it. Justified. Justified. Yes, that's the word. God, how horrible is that? You know, not only to be suffering this abuse from me, but to be like having this like righteous... <laughs> I mean, gosh, how terrible. I, I mean, I laugh. It's well, not... you know what? And here's my confession. I relate. And I think many parents listening could relate. You know, how many times have I yelled at my kid? And I'm not actually a big yeller at all. But I could think back to times that I've yelled and, and, and thought, oh, I, I had to yell because you weren't listening. Like you brought this on yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and I and, and I'm, and I'm always go back to to Bella if I ever feel like, you know, there was something that, you know, and I, and I remember there were times in the, you know, the beginning days of parenting where I would be like, you know, don't make me yell, like you made me yell, right? Like that, that, ugh, ugh. So I just, I feel like I get it and I, um, 
And I do want to ask you in some ways, what did that look like? Because I, I don't think people, I, I think there could be some unconsciousness around how people are behaving and that it is abusive and that it can, and the cycle, not, not abusive, just to shame, but to be like, okay, like once you name it, let's get fucking real about it and let's shift it because that behavior is keeping you from your next iteration of your mission, your life, you know, all of that. Yes. Oh, I love that question so much. I mean, here, I'll put it to you this way and I will relate it back to what you're saying because I think it's absolutely true that this goes beyond quote unquote, oh, domestic violence or emotional abuse and stuff. It absolutely permeates other areas of life like parenting and business and everything. Um, But let's just start by saying like, based on domestic violence statistics, almost half of the North American population experiences domestic violence or emotional abuse. Okay, my question is, okay, GFR moment, if almost half are being abused, then what does this say about the number of abusers? Right. There's quite a few of us. (laughs) And what can that look like? It can mean like yelling at the top of your lungs, you asshole, blah, blah, all that stuff that, you know, we see in the movies. Right. Right. We see relationships that are like, you're like, whoa, oh, that's in the movies. No, that's in real life. Seriously. And you can look like, um, it can look like gaslighting. You know, gaslighting is a term that basically means one person making the other person believe, believe that their truth is not their truth. Like, so one person says the sky is blue and the other person is saying, oh, no way, you're messed up. The sky is so green. You, you are, you, and so that person's reality gets warped and then their confidence in themselves gets worn down and they become like a, basically a shell of, of their, their, their selves and um, it destroys them emotionally and psychologically. So it can look like bullying at school. It can look like, oh, it can look like a CEO being a total jerk to their team. Yes. That is emotional abuse that I ever saw. It can can look like corporations taking advantage of their their staff. Um, It's really, it's all over the place, this kind of abuse. And the perspective that we are really playing with today is the abuser's perspective. And the is is it appropriate to say that the abuser is a victim as well? Is that part of what, what, is that the conversation you want to be having? I mean, I think it is part of it. I wouldn't want to make that a, like a total blanket statement because I do think, you know, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. Like there are abusers who are just downright kind of just broken people who regrettably, yeah, sociopaths and, you know, stuff like that, that, that doesn't, maybe there are victims as well of society, but um, when we talk about the emotional abuse cycle or the domestic violence cycle, what we're really saying is that there is a direct relationship between the abuse that a child experienced and then they grew up to become an abusive adult. And then, of course, they abuse their children and then it's just this, this terrible infinite loop. Um, so, yes, some, some abusers are also former victims. Um, it is also po- possible to be in a relationship where both partners are abusing each other. That's definitely documented. Um, so then in that case, they're both abusers and they're both victims. Right, right. Yeah. So when did you decide to come out about this? I mean, this is like, 
this is a significant thing to admit and there could be significant judgments and you know it's like such a courageous thing to do um can you talk about that like when you decided like okay i'm gonna you know because yeah let's talk about that (laughs) yeah let's talk about that um i mean i the reason this is like the most tender reason because there's lots of reasons but probably the most tender reason that i would hope might be um something that our you know listeners could chew on a little bit and that is if mike and i suffered this much to to get through and now be happy like we're about to celebrate our 24th anniversary and that might mean nothing like you could still be in an abusive relationship and be 24 years and be like yay 24 years of abuse but truly like the joy that we now have is is pretty much it's even more sweet honestly that that, uh, that we even have these years together but um the tenderest thing is that i i really had to feel like the biggest piece of shit and be able to sit with that. So it's a little bit like the Buddhist thing of suffering leading to enlightenment until I could actually grasp how terrible I was being. I wasn't able to stop. And the tenderest thing that I could say about it is if we went through all this work and it was only for us, then somehow it would have been a total waste, you know? Yes. Like, right? Yes. So it had to do with purpose. It, it came back into this word purpose, Lisa. Like, this was medicine for more than just us. And it, I think it was because it was so hard won, it was so bittersweet, that when I look in Mike's eyes now, and we have both come through this to a place where we know for certain that other people are being helped because we went through what we did. That goes, I would not, I would not, I would rather this not have happened at all. But if it had to have happened, the fact that we are now out about it and that people can approach us and say in their GFR confession, like, you know what, you inspired me to say I am being a jerk to my et cetera, et cetera, that that is a tiny bit of sweetness in this. For sure. For sure. And I, I'm really coming to see that are my guests, that is their purpose. Like every single one that is their and it's not everybody's purpose. I have a lot of dear friends and partners that I was gonna say suffer in silence and it sounds cliche, but I feel like it's it is accurate. You know, that it's like, there's suffering, there's healing, the suffering is healing, and it really is for their, you know, for their own experience. They're really not meant to be, you know, you know, suffering and then sharing about it, and, you know, like we yeah. are, you know, um, and that's okay, right? Like we all, you know, we're all on our own journey. So um, I really appreciate the, the value that it is bringing you to share. Like, I really appreciate that. And I say that all the time, like whatever shitty thing I'm going through, there's always a silver lining. Like, I can't wait to tell this story. This has got to help some people, <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you asked about it earlier. So just, you know, in, in brief to kind of complete that little thought is that, yeah, the, um, in uh, fall of last year, 2018, the Washington Post picked up the story and the headline of the story was, I verbally abused my husband. Here's how I stopped. And that article I guess that's like the kind of the biggest coming out party you can do, right? It's the Washington right. Post. I think that's kind of a big paper in the United States. I don't I know. I think so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm Canadian, so, but <laughs> um, I heard a few people read it. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. And, and, you know, even as like, I know I'm one of your closest friends, like I know that and this is how, this is what I, one of the things I love about you is like, I process, I'm such a processor. Like I, there's probably no big movement I make that you haven't heard about first, you know, cause I, but, and you are, you, you move through life differently and that you kind of, you cocoon and you process and you pop out and your closest friends are like, what, what's happening? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and so I didn't, you know, I just saw the article and, um, and, and anyway, and I, I wasn't, totally news to me, you know, the, the whole thing, but, but um, the coming out of it all was phenomenal. And I think, and it's divine timing. Um, and, you know, and, and now you are, you know, this, the episode is from abuser to activist. And, you know, um, I always felt like you were an activist, even before you added, you know, this to your, you know, your repertoire. Um, I just feel like that sort of you just embody sort of like taking a stand and, and in a, in a juicy way. So how do you feel like this is evolving into your next chapter? Like how was really confronting this, getting real, you know, facing it, um, you know, deciding to talk about it, like how has it actually now served your purpose and is part of, you know, the next chapter that is Andrea J. Lee? Yeah, such a good question. I mean, it, I will say it was a, a, like a little bit of a journey to sorting out what it would mean for my work and how that would express itself. But really, like, all it took was me for, for me to land on the fact that all of this has to do with power. It's just to do with power. So if I was powerless as a young girl, and then if I became you know, an abuser of my power, then now what I feel like I'm able to say is that I have a, a really, a well-developed relationship with power. <laughs> I know what it means to be in the dark side, in the shadow of power and be like, power's made me her bitch, you know? <laughs> and so now it's like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm back at the helm of my own power and I have skills. I understand the line, you know, and I understand what my right power and how I can relate to it and how I use it is, you know, it's more muscular. I, I know what a full tank of power is. Um, and I also know the line of like how you can sidle up to your power and all of a sudden be faced with choices that are like, I could use my power for evil here, but I see it so clearly. I see it so clearly. Um, and it, it, so it's, it's really actually kind of gleeful now to be like, oh, check out that chasm full of shitty power that is right there and <laughs> kind of go, uh-huh, yeah, I've walked this line before. You know, like I know what it is to walk this ridge. Um, and 
when it comes down to it, I know, you know, I have a bias now that I see a lot of things through the lens of power. But when I talk to entrepreneurs about not being able to get to their next level, or I talk to a CEO who's, you know, confessing that she's abused her power and treated her team poorly. Um, that's what I'm able to bring. I'm able to bring that seeing. I'm able to tap into that person's intuition. I'm able to ask them to look in the mirror and say, you know what, you need to see your capacity for the dark side. I need you to understand the influence that you have. Every one of us, whether we feel like we're an abuser right now or not, is way more powerful than we think in every single instant. Um, and, and I think that that's really like the gift and dirty paper, you know, that I've been given is this um, way of relating to power that now I can help others with. Beautiful. That we are more powerful than we think. Yeah. And I've said that before, but not with this meaning, you know, like I think I've heard that, oh, you're more powerful than you think. And not in a trite way, because it's valuable in that way too, but this way we are more powerful than we think is to be really conscious of the capacity that we have to influence and abuse and support, you know, like the, 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 the both sides, you know, of it at any given time. And I think about parenting a lot in this conversation because it's in, and I think children represent any body or entity or organization or person that in our minds is somehow less than, lower than, smaller than, right? Like, yes. like it's, and it's, and, and it's so acceptable, right? Like it's so socially acceptable for a parent to be like, I know what's be best for you. I know, you know, like, I know what's right. You're little, you don't, you don't know, like it's, you know, and, and many people would not argue with you, you know? Um, and I have come to see, you know, and I'm, we're going to have Bella on the show too. Um, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> she's so excited. You know, she actually just did a project. You'd be, you would love it. Just did a project on parenting styles and, um, you know, the authoritative and the, and the, um, and uh, I wish I could remember them all, but permissive, you know, permissive, authoritarian, and then heart to heart, which is, you know, how we parent. And, um, <laughs> we're like, oh shit, we're going to be hearing from all these parents that want that, that their kids could choose their own bedtime and all these things we do with Bella that is you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny. Um, so we, we, for sure, when Bella was real little, we started taking classes and thank goodness, because it completely shifted our paradigm and the way that we relate and, and the way that we see her as this little person. And, um, so I, I think it's the most, the way that's most accessible to me in this accessible to me in this moment to relate to what you're saying, you know, um, because I think it's really easy to justify abusing that power and not realizing how we are more powerful than we think, not realizing that when it comes to our, our kids. Yeah, you're reminding me of a really interesting episode. It's just a, like a little brief anecdote, but I think it il illustrates it. Like I was walking with a girlfriend um, near a quiet beach and there was a parking lot in which there was a bait like like a toddler maybe a year and a half something like that sort of big for the car seat it was screaming its head off okay like crying 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 that horrible makes your teeth ache crying and there's no parent to be found at all like it's like the windows were down it was just this baby sitting in the car i looked at my friend i'm like 
what do you, we walked a few more paces and the mom was just around the corner on the beach. Like it was, and this is in a, a rural area. So it was really, it's not New York city. Okay. It's like, was that, you know, a, a quiet country neighborhood. And my friend Jody turned to me and said, well, it's better than murder. <laughs> oh. Oh. Like, but that to me is a mom who's enlightened about her own power or understands the stakes of what she would do if she did not remove herself, removed her power from that child and allowed, you know, whatever <laughs> that child was going through to spend itself before um, coming back to handle the situation. Um, that kind of awareness is pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a really good, yeah, example. Thank you. It's better than murder. It's better than murder. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we need to laugh. Like you need to laugh at this. Yeah. So I hope our listeners ask themselves where they're being a jerk. I mean, I think that's just like such a kind of benign way of asking a really fucking powerful question. Where am I being a jerk? You know, and have that, that GFR moment. Um, You know, when you were when you were looking over our, our trusty commandments, it's yes. a bit of a Bible around here. You know, the one that, that really jumped out at you was number 12, which is find where you are holding yourself back and do whatever it takes to get out of your own way. And, and of course, the confession question is, where am I holding myself back? And I feel like this is a bit of a, a stone that is not turned over enough, this where am I being a jerk? Because like we don't see where we're being a jerk is holding us back, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have your, your commandment roadmap, just see you know, the links in the show notes for that. So I appreciate that question very much, the, sim- the beautiful simplicity and power of that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that question. And then, you know, sometimes maybe, Lisa, it's even, let's like lean in even more because, you know, that's the spirit of all that you're creating through the GFR lifestyle. And that is like, I am being a jerk somewhere, somehow, very likely, right? If you take a year of your life, you've probably been a jerk somewhere. It would surprise me. Maybe Mother Teresa. I don't know. I have a feeling she probably would cop to like also having had her moments. We're human, Last time I checked, human was not the definition of a saint. This kind of thing, I think, is actually here for us as tests to challenge ourselves to be better people. So even, you know, uh, how am I being a jerk? Great one. How about I know I'm being a jerk somehow, or I know I have been a jerk somehow. What is it? You know, it might not be 100% applicable to everyone all the time, but I'd rather be more, now that's the question I ask myself because, not because I'm trying to make myself wrong. It's not that. It's just, I want to overtake responsibility. Yeah. What other um, like rituals or daily habits do you have now that like help you stay conscious to this? I have this thing that I do. It's for when I'm falling asleep. And also once I've kind of just like woken enough to be, like in that liminal place between sleep and waking, I put my hand on my tra- my heart. And I let the weight of my hand remind me of my heart and like all that it's doing for me. It, it takes me out of my head where most of my like desire to control and all that ego stuff, you know, um, lives. And helps me to kind of take, go from like root chakra, crown chakra and come into the center of my heart and um, breathe with my heartbeat 
And there's a softening that happens in my body that I try to keep through the day. And it's easier when I'm in that middle kind of gray area between sleep. You know, I just find that that's like a tuning. It's almost like a tuning fork thing. If I put my hand on my heart, then my hands are contaminated by my heart energy and whatever I touch is going to be with the touch of love. Mm, I love that. I've been doing more mindfulness practices lately. And I mean, it's, uh, it's similar to what you're describing and that just that stopping, you know, and that's another one of our commandments um, around stopping, which is, um, I always have my commandments <laughs> nearby. Um, mm-hmm. Number eight is know that sometimes stopping is the most lucrative action to take, you know, and I, 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 I called it out as lucrative because I feel like that is the number one thing that causes us to not stop is we're, we're worried about money. Um, but I've had many people now tell me that they love eight uh, and about stopping. And for them, they realized it was lucrative, but it was like emotionally lucrative. It was, it was, um, relationship based lucrativeness. It was like, there was so much abundance to be had when they stopped and we just so inclined and programmed to not fucking stop. And that stopping is bad. Um, so that's what I'm taking from what you're saying is just like stopping, dropping in, feeling your heart. Like, because, you know, even underlying the stopping, right, is, is the ego, is the fears, is the wanting to control, right? Can you say more about that? Like what you feel like is really like the underpinnings to the things that, that drive us to abuse our abuse power? Yeah. I, interestingly, I think there's two things you know, I'm, I'm in grad school now doing quite a bit of study around this. And one of them um, is, it, it really is 100% fear. It is just fear of all the things. Doesn't need, doesn't even really matter what it is. Fear of all the things. Yes. Just, I relate. Yeah. I have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so when we are being a jerk or we're being super angry or that, that hate that I was describing, you know, comes yes. upon us. It's like something is fucked up around your nervous system and your fear. That's the only, that's for me anyway, it was the only thing I need to remember. Like what is up with me right now? I am super fucked up scared. That, that leads to that anger. And, and then the second thing actually with regards to this sort of like very practical and that is that anger and emotions and violence, right, are contagious. Mm. Um, there is a theory in it. So a lot of times people will say, oh, domestic violence, um, you know, that's a justice, that's an issue of the justice system. It's a crime. It should be punished better, should go to jail, et cetera. And of course we now know that, you know, women can be abusers too. They're same sex relationships with abusers, you know, all that stuff. That's the modern definition of domestic violence. But the point here being that just that I think like what, what allows us to get out of it, like what allows us to stop is realizing that just like a cold, just like the flu or cholera or the plague, violence gets caught. So when you surround yourself by people who do not allow you to catch that, when you choose not to be in, um, you know, environments where that's permitted, like a uh, work for a company that there's emotional abuse or gaslighting going on all the time, 
you take yourself out of the contagion zone. And when you take yourself out of the contagion zone, you are much less likely to behave like a jerk and you are much less likely to abuse other people. Yes. And I love what you said. The question you asked yourself, what's wrong with me? I'm super fucked up scared. <laughs> and I like, like, oh my gosh, the power of just the simplicity of if fucking admitting we are scared instead of lashing out, right, at the people around us. Like such a simple yet such complex thing to do, right? And, and to see how it might be influenced by the environment that we're in. Yes. Yeah, because so that's sort of like, I like to say both of those things because the science is really crazy and interesting that it's like truly like in neighborhoods where there's gun crime, let's say violent behavior, that's like, you know, an aversion of behaving badly, right? When you remove those environmental factors and remove the, con like some of the factors that contribute to contagion, violence goes down. It, it's a public health issue, not, a, not just a justice issue, in other words. Yes. It can be treated as a health issue. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's great. So, Andrea J. Lee, if you knew then what you know now, what advice would you give someone having a GFR moment or just even in the thick of a wormhole? You know, this is such a one of those Lisa Turney vintage great questions. I would say a lot of it boils down to making space to feel your feelings just a little bit more. And that might seem counterintuitive. It's like, well, if you're really super angry, are you sure you want to be feeling even more of that? It's actually, I'm talking about that feeling of fear that's underneath the presenting symptom. So if you're being a jerk, whatever that's looking like, there's, in my opinion, some emotion that's not being properly processed or digested or felt. So I'm not saying you have to feel it fully. A lot of time, times coaches will say, feel your feelings fully. And yeah, when you're feeling good, you could feel, okay, I'm going to feel my joy fully. <laughs> I'm going to feel my whatever, orgasm fully, whatever, right? But, but like when it's like the shitty feelings, then it's just like, just try. When you're feeling like you're treating someone like a jerk, it's like, take a breath and go, okay, I'm feeling my resentment, my guilt, my shame, my whatever emotion it is, just one degree more. If I knew back then that that was a way, a step I could take, oh man, I think, I think there would have, been, would have been a lot of different stuff that happened. Beautiful. Thank you, Andrea J. Lee, for being with us, thank for sharing you. so authentically. Um, for Thank you for, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say these words. Thank you for the sacrifice you made by receiving, you know, what the cycle within your family and choosing to be the one to stop it. Uh, I'm, I am, feel blessed to have you in my life to be your friend. And I'm fucking grateful that I have this platform um, that will give you a megaphone for this. And um, I know it's going to help people. Mm. Thank you, Andrew Jaylee. The love is so mutual. Thank you for the opportunity to share the story in, in such a get real place, you know, that really, that really allows that, the, the, the parts that normally never get addressed to fucking come out. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Love you. Love you. <laughs> I'm so glad you're still here because I want to make sure that you know about Andrea J. Lee's free community coaching call that she hosts every month. It's such a beautiful way that she gives back to the coaching community and you can Get there by way of link in our show notes and connect with her that way. 
Also, I want to do a little plug for her GFR commandment, which is commandment number 12. We didn't get a chance to cover this on our main interview, but she finds that commandment to be what's most present for her right now, which is find where you are holding yourself back and do whatever it takes to get out of your own way. If you have not grabbed your own personal copy of the GFR commandments, go to gfr.lifeforge/12c, also a link in our show notes. And OMG, y'all, the bonus content, the bonus training that she does on what to do if someone is being a jerk to me. What do I do if someone is being a jerk to me? So powerful. And actually, for me, very eye-opening because I, I consider myself assertive. I consider myself you know, someone who doesn't back away from difficult conversation. But I'll tell you, there was some nuances in what she shared that really showed me that possibly I've been tolerating some situations that I don't need to tolerate and what to do about them. So if you are a GFR squad member, it starts at only 20 bucks a month to get all of the bonus content from our interview guests and also get to connect with me regularly and people that are in this awesome get fucking real conversation. Go check it out at gfr.life forward slash squad. All right. Bye for now, y'all. It's been great being with you.